Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. The question of, am I good enough, often permeates our minds. But as we'll discover today in the second installment of Purposeful Living, God has given each of us gifts and strengths to offer to others. And he also provides us a reason that overcomes our fears in giving ourselves to one another. But last week while we were gone, Pastor Jim uh, brought an amazing message. I, I got to listen to it on Monday morning, and uh, I was so encouraged by what Pastor Jim had to say. Uh, and if you missed it, it's on the website. You can go and listen to it. But I'm, I'm going to sort of piggyback off of what he sort of talked, he began talking about last week. And uh, he talked really, really plainly with, with everybody that God has created each of us. And he has put us on this earth with certain strengths and certain abilities and certain talents and certain capacities. And whatever it is that you are good at, whatever your strength is, God wants to see you use it. And not just use it for yourself, but use it to serve others. It was such a simple message. It was... It was really wonderful. And, and so today we're going to continue that conversation about strengths. And today we're really going to get the gist of why God would ask that of us. Why would God want us to take our strengths and give it to other people? Why in the world would we do that? And this kind of conversation is sort of difficult because the reality of it is, is that taking that next step with what we're good at or maybe discovering what we're good at or whatever it might be, however God has created us, that next step can be really difficult because we live in a culture that asks a question that keeps us from doing it, okay? The question that we are always asking ourselves, and you'll... you'll, as soon as I say this question, you're like, yeah, I've asked this question before. Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Am I talented enough? Am I capable enough to do this, right? And then the other part of the question is, or the second question we often ask of other people is, are you good enough? to be doing this, right? Because we live in a culture where people go to school, do things, get jobs for what they're good at, right? We want the best of the best. If we take our kids to a doctor, we want to make sure that the doctor knows some things, like that this is the knee bone. There's another name for it, but I don't know what it is. Uh, (laughs) Right? Obviously, don't bring your children to me for medical advice be a good idea. I know a few things, but, um, but right? I mean, we, we do. We live in this world and, and of, of, of being good at a certain thing, right? And the most, I think the greatest example of this is something that each and every one of you as adults have experienced in your life. It's the job interview. How many of you love job interviews or searching for a job? Anybody actually like doing that? No, nobody likes to go look for a job. And the reason why is because 
there's so many layers that finding a job and applying for a job and interviewing for a job, there's so many, like, it makes you anxious. Because, what, let's, let's break it down, okay? Why are you looking for a job in the first place? Well, it could be a number of things, right? You could have, you know, you, you finally reached that age where the parents say, hey, um, I love you, get out, uh, <laughs> right? You, you know, you're transitioning into adulthood. Well, guess what? Transitions, believe it or not, in life are some of the most stress-inducing things, period. In fact, they usually say that if you go through like two or three transitionary events in a year, they say it can really hinder who you are and, and how you live and, and the anxiety that you have, like moving, like getting a job, like getting married, like all these different kinds of things. So like the reason that you're looking for a job might be something like that. You're in transition, finding your own way. Or maybe your last job was really, really stressful and you can't take it anymore. So you're already stressed and you gotta find something that is healthier for your life and healthier for your family, right? Or maybe you got laid off. Maybe it wasn't in your power at all. There's no, it's just budget cuts, right? That is terribly anxiety-filled, right? Or maybe you did something and you got fired for a reason and you're dealing with the guilt of that and that, or maybe you're fired for no reason at all, which that also happens, right? So the reason that you're looking for a job in the first place gives you stress. So now, out of all of that, you now have to prepare a resume, right? And you have to make sure that the resume is perfect grammatically. And you have to brag about yourself, but not too much. Because if you brag about yourself too much, you might be seen as a narcissist, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're a little full of themselves, right? There's like this weird thing, right? And then you pray and you hope and you submit resumes here, there, everywhere. And you're like, what about these places? Are these jobs going to be really good? And then you finally get the interview. And then they interview you. And they're trying to see if you are the most qualified. Well, define most qualified. Because some people provide or prefer experience over education. Some prefer education over experience. Some people are just looking for the it factor. I don't know what the it factor is. The it factor, right? All of this, everything in getting a job or looking for a job or applying for a job comes back to these two questions. Am I good enough? Or they're asking you, are you good enough? And quite honestly, these questions are in our minds at all times. They are. You know why? Because it's not just in the world of job hunting that we ask these questions. Tell me. If you're going to go to a restaurant you've never been to before, what are you going to do? Hmm. Well, Bob gave that one star, and they said that there's something, something in the food. Right? We love to ask the question, is it good enough for me? We have reviews. You can review doctors. You can review restaurants. You... We have our entertainment is based around these questions, okay? Millions of people watch the NFL draft. Nothing happens in the NFL draft other than they select this name. 
but we watch it because we are enamored with will this person, will this person's talent be enough for the number of draft selection that they're at? We pay athletes, we pay CEOs gargantuan amounts of money for their abilities, for their talents, for their strengths in our culture. And guess what? Every single one of us partakes in this. Every one of us does. I mean, there's competition reality shows. There's, there, everything is based around, are you good enough? And so when we come to church, when we come into a place like this, and you hear somebody say, hey, God made you for a certain purpose. God has given you these strengths. These questions hang out in our minds the entire time. Because the reality of it is, is we can either get intimidated by it, or we can just shut ourselves off by it. Because A, we're afraid of rejection, and we're just saying, nah, I'm just, I'm just not even going to do it. I'm just going to keep my distance. There's no reason for me to offer anything that I have in relationship with other people. Or... We don't get angry. We just can't do anything. We shut down. Believe it or not, we are not the first churches to deal with this problem. You ever heard of the, the, the book Corinthians? First and second Corinthians? Today we're going to spend some time with the church in Corinth. Now, the first and second Corinthians are two letters written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. Okay? Corinth was a very interesting place, but Corinth wasn't that far from what we are. Sure, they were under a dictatorship of having a Caesar and all these different kinds of things, but Corinth was one of these interesting cities where you could actually move your socioeconomic status. In other words, you could make more money than what you grew up with by your abilities, by what you could do, all these different kinds of things, right? Very similar to our society. In fact, Corinth probably had some very similar slogans. Of course, it was in ancient Greek, but I, you know, I, I looked these up and they, they, had, they had slogans like, be all you can be and never settle or get rich or die trying. You guys don't believe me on that, huh? Okay. No, but really, the culture was that. These, these slogans that we have in our culture could have applied directly to Corinth. The reality of it is they continuously ask the questions, is this good enough? Are you good enough? And the church... This church who was made up of all these different people with different backgrounds, with different strengths, with different abilities, and all these different kinds of things, they're hanging out together, and they began judging each other and saying, you know what, it's really cool that you can do this, but uh, it's not as good as this. Oh, you can do that? Well, look what I can do. Anything you can do, I can do better. They began comparing themselves and saying, hey, you know what? I, I appreciate what you're doing, but you're terrible at what you're doing, so stop. <laughs> now, 
Now, any time that that happens, divisions happen, right? If, if, if I come up to you and say, you're just not very good at that, are you going to like me? No. But it was happening. And they began to, to put certain important, like they've been assigning importance of certain kinds of gifts and things of that nature. So, Paul needs to address this. And he gives the Corinthian church the reason why in the world you can't do that. And he gives you the reason why we should be offering ourselves and our gifts and our abilities to the church all the time. So first, let's, let's answer that first question about why you wouldn't put down somebody for their gifts and things of that nature. Basically, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where we're going to be today, verses 1 through 11, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you up to speed a little bit, okay? He begins talking about gifts, okay? And as we talked about last week, you are given gifts by God. Your talents, your abilities, your strengths, and then what we call spiritual gifts in the Bible, right? They're all given by God. It's really simple. So he begins to remind them of that, and he begins to say that, guess what? All of these different ways of doing things and all these different gifts are needed. Every single gift. It's not this gift is better than this gift, or this gift or this gift. All this, I don't know what I just said there. But <laughs> it's not like that, because guess what? Who is the source for everything? God. And so he talks about these different kinds of spiritual gifts. Um, evangelism. He talks about preaching. He talks about teaching. He talks about helping people. He talks about administration. And, and if you've ever been in the church before, there's all these, there's, there's these spiritual gift assessments and all these different kinds of things that exist to try to help you understand where you might want to serve. It's really funny, though, because it's based around what you like, not what God has given you. It's an interesting paradigm. But all these gifts come to the church for a purpose. Comes to the church for a single purpose. Think of it this way. Gifts are the how of accomplishing the mission of the church. So if the mission of the church is go and make disciples of all nations, well, how do we do that? Well, you could preach. You could teach. You could prophesy. You could speak in tongues. You could help. You could administrate. All these different kinds of things are ways that God accomplishes His mission through you and I. But, here's the thing. If God has called you to teach, are you going to teach in the same way that I teach? Probably not. Right? Some of us are, some of us are very like... Remember the old SATs? Anybody take the SATs back in the day? Okay. You remember like the word is to word and word is to word? Yeah, I'm terrible at that. <laughs> I 
I have the hardest time with that stuff. But you might be great at it. And so you process things and you do things. You have different strengths than me. And so the way that I teach compared to the way that you teach is going to be different. Does that make you or I inferior to each other? No. But we're different. And so Paul begins to just share this very, very simple message with everybody. It's this message right here. There is unity. Oh, I got, I got, yeah. There is unity in diversity. And there is diversity in unity. And like, that sounds really, really profound. What does that mean? It means that we as a group of people can be unified through the fact that we are different. We can be different people and be unified. And we can rally around that and be that way. But also, in our diversity, we can be together doing the same thing. And that sounds really crazy. I love what Paul does. He finds a metaphor to share with us exactly what this means. Okay, you ready for this? Beginning with verse 12, he uses this metaphor to, to share what this means. Christ is just like a human body. A body is a unit and has many parts, and all the parts of the body are one body, even though there are many. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Certainly the body isn't one part, but many. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that mean I'm not part of the body? If an ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, does that mean it's not part of the body? And if the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed each one of the parts in the body just like he wanted if all were one and the same body part, what would happen to the body? But as it is, there are many parts, but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. What does this mean? We can be together and work towards something in the diversity that we have. It's a really simple metaphor, but just to make sure. Oh, hi. That's exciting music right there. To walk. If I want to walk that way, right? If I start walking this way, we start thinking, to walk is to use your legs, right? You know, you got to use these muscles and these bones and these knees and don't forget the toes, because if you don't have toes, you'll just fall right over, right? Okay? So my body, so we start to think, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. To walk is to use the legs. But wait a minute. Watch me walking. Why do my arms shuffle back and forth? How do I know where I'm walking in the first place? How do you stand upright? There's all kinds of things happening in this body for me to walk from one place to another. It's not just this leg or that leg. I need my eyes to see where I'm going. Now, you can walk without your eyes. I get that. But 
you know where you're going a lot better when you have your eyesight, right? In your ear, you have this inner ear that gives you balance so that you're not like, woo. Your body naturally does this whole thing with your arms to give you balance. Because whenever you go this way, you put a little bit more weight back here. Put the hand in, put the hand down. Right? The body needs every part working in sync to accomplish something. And you and I are parts of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. And every single person is needed to accomplish the mission that Jesus has for us. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe in Christ? Do you believe in Jesus that He died for you and saved you and gives you new life? Guess what? You are indispensable. You are an indispensable part of the body of Christ and you have something to offer. Your certain gifts, your certain strengths, your certain talents, all of these different things, you have something to offer. And we need it. I need it. The person next to you needs it. The person in the back needs it. Everyone around you needs you. We need you. And you might think to yourself, man, that sounds really good. That sounds almost too good to be true. Because guess what? I mean, at some point, what I have to offer might clash with what somebody else has to offer. So what happens whenever the offerings clash with one another. Why would we do this? Sounds like there's conflict that's going to be coming our way. Paul continues on. Verse 22. Instead, the parts of the body that people think are the weakest are the most necessary. The parts of the body that we think are less honorable are the ones we honor the most. The private parts of our body that aren't presentable are the ones that are given the most dignity. The parts of our body that are presentable don't need this. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the part with less honor, so that there won't be division in the body. And so the parts might have mutual concern for one another. Mutual concern for one another. See where this is going? If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part gets the glory, all the parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. Period. How do people with different strength and different abilities and different ways of doing things come together? It's really simple. A part isn't more important than the body. What you bring to the table is not important than the person that you are serving. Your gift, your strength, your talent is not the most important thing in your life. Because guess what? Here's a really, really important 
reality that you need to be reminded of. I just want you to know this. Here it goes. There is always another person that needs lifted up by what you have been given by God. And if you put what you can do and what I want to do ahead of another, guess what? You'll never serve another person in your life. It's true. It's, it's not just in the church. In a marriage, when it becomes about what I want to do over the spouse, guess what? The marriage suffers. In your friendship, if you want, you call up your friend like, hey, let's, let's get together. I got this more important thing that I need to be at. Your, your relationship suffers, doesn't it? In the same way in the church, whenever we come to the church and we say, I have this to offer in this way, in my way or the highway, basically we're saying that I'm the most important thing in the church. But there is somebody who needs you. There's somebody in this room who needs you. Whatever you're gifted at, they need you. So the question of, am I good enough, or is this person good enough, doesn't exist in the church. Doesn't. Because we all bring what we have. We bring what we have been given by God and offer it to one another. Not for our own good feelings, not for our pride, not for self-fulfillment. We do it for each other. We need each other. And if you are tempted, because I get tempted, to ask those questions in the church, is it good enough? Am I good enough? Well, pretty much we're saying that the capacity of a person or the capacity of ourselves supersedes what God can do. What we call that is idolatry. Worshiping and giving importance to something other than God that God actually gave us in the first place. So if I haven't sold you enough that people in this room need you and what you have to offer, that I need you, that this church needs you. That church isn't about coming here and just receiving. It's about giving of ourselves to one another in relationship and to, to do things for God so that his mission will be carried out in the world. If that doesn't sell you enough, Paul gives us the reason behind it all. Because you might want to ask yourself, well, why... What if, I don't want to, what if I don't want to do this? Why, why would I do this in the first place? Because guess what? I, I need to leverage my gifts and my abilities and my talents for things that are going to help me out. You don't understand. 
I have this to take care of. I have to make this kind of money. And guess what? I'm not going to do anything unless I'm paid for it. I'm not going to get into relationships unless it benefits me personally. Paul brings it all back together. And he starts to say this in 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 reads this. Everybody's like, this is the wedding passage. No, this is a church passage. If I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels, but if I don't have love, I am a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my own body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude and it doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things. Trusts in all things. Hopes for all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. And as for prophecies, they will be brought to an end. As for tongues, they will stop. As for knowledge, it will be brought to an end. We know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, what is partial will be brought to an end. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, reason like a child, think like a child. But now that I've become a man, I've put an end to childish things. Now we see a reflection in a mirror, and then we will see face to face. Now I know partially, but then I will know completely in the same way that I have been completely known. Now faith, hope, and love remain. These three things, and the greatest of these, is love. The reason for you to offer of yourself to other people in relationship and in service and to give yourselves to other people is in the name of love. Why do we love? Because God first loved us. God saved us, and he gave of his life that we might have life and life everlasting. And life that lives in that love is a life that gives of ourselves to others freely. And we lift up those who are weaker than others. And we honor those who don't necessarily look like they're the best at this or that. Paul simply shares with us the reason to give of ourselves. And he also gives us the how 
of, lo- of giving of ourselves. Why would I come out on a Saturday and, and help somebody move? Why would I take my time off that I have with my family and go out with other families? Why in the world would I spend my Monday afternoons helping out with the church finances? Why in the world would I go to church twice in one day? Love. Because our purpose as people who follow God is to love Him and love others. So if you're still hung up on, well, you know, the church, the church has some really neat things going on, but you know, it's just, it's just not, I don't really see myself fitting in there. There's a two-part answer to this. Have you tried to fit in? Have you tried to offer of yourself? And then the next question is, or are you the next leader of what only you can do? Are you the next person to begin a new ministry? Because the question of whether you're good enough for us or for ministry is out out the window. Paul kicked it. Get out of here. Everyone's good enough. Everybody's welcome. And if you're still afraid, I also want to remind you of this. God is more creative than you and I will ever be. God is more creative than you and I will ever be. Wait a minute. The pastor said I should... I need to, or is inviting me to come over to his house to be a part of a discipleship group. But it's people. God's more creative than you. God might want to do something in your life that you would have never experienced possible. I've had this distinct feeling that we as a church might be able to do this to reach out to our community. But it sounds like a lot of work, and I'm not sure if I'm organized enough to do that. God is more creative than you and I will ever be. I wasn't asked. It's an open invitation. God is more creative than what you and I will ever be. Because guess what? We need you. The person next to you needs you. I need you. Brooke needs you. Sound people need you. Teenagers need you. Kids need you. Our community needs you. God needs you. To live a life of love, offering of yourselves, to him.
Show that last slide. Offering what we have to one another is an expression of love. So let's love one another. Let's love as God has called us to love. It's really funny. I am probably not a teacher. I wouldn't be a really good teacher, probably at least in the standard, you know, like, classroom. Like, put first graders in front of me and be like, hi. One plus one is two. All right, let's go on. Two plus two is four. Let's go on. Wait, what? I'd be like, no, no, I'm, I already said it. You missed it. Sorry. That's not me. You can ask my wife. I hate to repeat myself. Oh, repetition. Ugh. No, but guess what? Here in this church, I've led some groups where I've taught things. But I don't teach repetition. If you've ever been to any of our discipleship groups, we don't repeat stuff. We just, we ask questions. And the reality of it is, is that I have found out in this book, in this assessment, that one of the strengths, the thing that comes natural to me is what we call input. You're like, what does input mean? Okay? Input means this. I have a natural curiosity for things. So I ask questions. Like, I ask a ton of questions. If you've ever had a conversation with me about what to do, I'm like, well, what about this? And what about that? And what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? I teach by asking questions. That is the crux of how I look at Scripture. It's the crux of everything. But guess what? Not everybody preaches and not everybody teaches like that at all. Some of us are just looking for the God is good. Amen. Some people like to just simply say statements. It's not enough for me. I need to understand the question and the question behind that statement and behind the statement that you just made and the other question. you think my life is crazy, it is. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But some of you will resonate with that. Some of you are like, yeah, that's exactly it. But I'm not a natural teacher. But what I've understood is that God has gifted me in a certain way. And then he's called me to the spiritual gift of preaching. And here I am right now talking to you doing this Sunday in and Sunday out. For some reason, you guys keep coming back. <laughs> but it's going to be different for you. But out of all of it, I, I do what I do. And I hope that you do what you do in every relationship and in every ministry in this church and every future ministry of this church and in the world around you, that you do it for the only reason that we exist, to love God and to love others as ourselves.
Thank you for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, visit us at championnaz.org.